It's Concrete Coins with Jessica Myers. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to another episode of Concrete Coins. Today, we, we talk about when the friends that you have from college, now we're all independent, um, you know, workers in our own class, in our own field. And today we have um, Mr. Herman Bates. He is here. Um, Herman, if you wouldn't mind introducing yourself, give a little bit of your background, and uh, we can jump into the discussion. Uh, hello, everybody. Uh, I'm not sure what time zones you're in, so good morning or good afternoon or good evening whenever you're listening to this. Uh, my name is Herman Pate. I'm a seasoned uh, certified public accountant. I've worked before. I do MMA deals, and I'm originally a published author by a book called Tax Lean that talks about a, a four-part structure to setting your yourself up to take advantages of uh, wealth building as well as taking advantages of the same tax breaks that the wealthy take advantage of. Yes, and here with Concrete Coins, we are all about building your seven-figure real estate portfolio for beginner and intermediate investors. And one of the most important people that you are going to meet on your team is a CPA. A CPA is very vital. Can you discuss some ways that you help investors or potential investors, especially to the ones, I'm not going to lie, when you're a lean bootstrap startup, it's very hard to see how do I even pay for your services. But in some cases, it's like you can't afford not. Can you speak to that a little bit of how you help, um, you know, real estate investors and why it's important to have you on the team? Sure. Um, in terms of costs, I think you should just factor everything in and just remember that the main thing about, uh, the, I mean, if you look at the name of this, it's called Concrete Coins. The main thing is coins. So if cash is king, cash flow is queen. So it's the second important. So the first thing is just always to understand where the cash is coming from, where it's flowing to. And if you can find ways to track this, whether it be the deal, whether um, it's your expenditures, then if you find a way to track those, then you can talk to your CPA about what you need to do. And then that'll, that'll fold over to your taxes and how you want to file your taxes and save the money on taxes. And then um, the, the, the last piece about that is, is that, Usually when you uh, contract the CBA, you, they, they were hourly. I mean, they're hourly. So you can just figure out what you need and then just pay them for the services you need. You don't necessarily need one on retainer, but gotcha. you should always get one. Gotcha. Cause one of the things too, that I feel like, um, and we were just kind of having this discussion offline, but I really want to bring this discussion online in regards to people that hustle real estate at the end of the day, especially when you're in, you know, people who come into wholesaling a lot, like, I just want to explore it. I just want to see it. I don't want to risk anything. Um, and then, you know, you get, you get into the nuances and then you get a property and you graduate to becoming a flipper. You're still in like, cool. I just want to hustle. I just want to hustle. But at some point it needs to become a business. It needs to become a business that can generate revenue where you are paying yourself. You may have a staff, you may be paying benefits, how do you help businesses scale from let me just hustle real quick to now I'm operating and I'm looking at annuals, I'm looking at profit and loss statements? How do you um, work with investors in that respect? The two things, any tool needs these two basic things. The first one is a break-even analysis. And then after you do that break-even analysis, you do a target profit analysis. So the first thing is, is, is to understand how you break even. 
And to understand that is going to, you need to understand what it costs you to acquire a new, a new customer. So for real estate specifically, it's a new property. So like you mentioned, wholesaling, like, are you doing direct mailers? Are you doing phone drives? Do you have a virtual assistant? Like all these things you need to consider what you need to pay for to build out the infrastructure along the way. Because what I believe is, is that every job you should work yourself out of, like you should move on to bigger and better things. Everything in life is time versus money. How much time do you have? How much money do you have? So if you have the time to do it, do it. If you don't, then you need to pay somebody to do it. And that is the thinking between a business owner and a sole proprietor. Because there's a lot of people that they have their own business and they think that, oh, that you're a business owner. Really, you're not. You're still an employee. You just work for other people and you just keep all the money. You don't have to split it with the corporation that hired you. Like you said, a lot of people just believe they need to hustle or they need to be hands on with things. But to me, a better life is when you control. It's not about what you own and what you can do. It's about what you can control. Mm -hmm. So the only way to have that is through infrastructure. So a break even analysis is going to show you what you need to break even Mm -hmm. every day. That's what keeps the lights on. So, th- so figuring that out. Then the second thing is, is target profit. So you may say, you know what? My goal has always been to make, I don't know, let's just throw a number out there. A um, million dollars a year. Okay, well, then if you know that your average deal is $50,000, then you know you need to do X amount of deals to get to that $1 million minus your expenses. It's, gotcha. like, it's mad. Yeah, and that's so, a smart that, way of thinking about it because I think a lot of times, in, and that's even why we, we talked a little bit about um, the lender and their fees and a realtor and their fees and other fees that you want to factor in because so many, so many times you can look at a property and be like, oh, it's 100000 I flip it for sixty, and I sell it for 200 But then there's that gap of, wait, there are fees associated with it. There's so much that goes into it. And to your point, I need to know my break-even point. And I need to know how I'm going to make money after this. And then even if I decide to roll into another property, how do I have the funds to now go into that? Um, And that's also a concept that's called the 1031 exchange, correct? Mm Mm-hmm. So the way the 1031 works is, all right, so, okay, so there's two kinds of money. There's, There's the money that you have now, and then there's the money you have to spend later. Taxes is like the money you have to spend later. So- And that comes in the form of what is called capital gains. And so what happens is if you have something that's worth $100,000 and you sit on it, and then it's now worth $150,000, then you got to pay taxes on that $50,000 because that's a gain when you sold it. So what the 1031 exchange does is you're allowed to buy a like-kind property and put and roll all the money over and then not pay any taxes on it. And that's one of the things that I really talk about real estate in my tax lien book is because I love real estate because to me, uh, real estate is free bands. You put the money in, it just goes to the equity, you sell it, you get it back. Or it appreciates and you get more money. And if you don't want to pay taxes on the more money that you got, you can roll it into some more big, bigger and better real estate. And the cycle just continues and you end up never having to pay taxes on it. So that's how a 1031 exchange works. So then what am I living off of if I like, so let's say I made 50,000 from a project, but I rolled uh-huh. that over so that I can, you know, not, I don't want to say avoid taxes, but defer taxes, right? Deferred, um, so yeah. Avoiding deferring, some illegal deferrals. Well, yeah. So, okay. So just to be clear about the terms, and I actually put this in my book, tax evasion is illegal. Tax avoidance is business as usual. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. 
So the goal is, you know, obviously to, um, you know, be, be in line contact. Um, you know, you definitely want to have someone on your team to make sure that you're, you know, in compliance. But mm-hmm. if I'm, if I made 50,000 from a project and I'm looking to defer the tax payment and I roll it into 1031 and this is my business though, how do I have income to live if I'm constantly putting it or rolling it into the next project? All right. So what happens is if you need some of the, the money from, from, all right, so let's keep the math simple. You have a hundred thousand dollar house that you're selling and then, and then you, you have it and then you sold it for one fifty. So you would have 50,000 of capital gains tax, just the, just the gain. It's, it's just okay. only on the gain. So it's only that 50,000. So, so not on just my say, fees, not on like, you know, the break even point. So not so, like okay. if I had to put 75 into the project, I'm only getting taxed on the, the additional funds, not the 75 I put in. That, that is included in all that's included from the, from the gains. Cause all right. So if you had a hundred thousand dollar property and then you had to pay $25,000 to fix it up and then you sold it for 50,000, your capital gain is only 25,000 okay. because that those expenses that you took to build up the property, Gotcha. The, the, that's factored into what you that's that's an expense gotcha. that's not a if that, if that makes sense oh yeah so yeah i just you, wanted to clarify so then you have that twenty five thousand. so let's just say you don't want to pay taxes on that twenty five thousand, but you you might need uh so you want to roll that into the next property but let's just say you need five thousand dollars of operational expenses if i'm hearing you correctly yeah that five thousand is called boot and what you would do with that, you would have to pay taxes on that 5000 But the thing is, if you operate the business and you have to put that back into the business, you could still not end up paying a good majority of taxes on that 5000 because it's going back into operational expenses. And that's one of the reasons why I love uh, businesses and specifically real estate, because the thing to keep in mind is when you're talking about business taxes, business pay taxes on what's left over, not what they make. Mm, mm. wow of what's left over and not what they make because that's interesting that's too because because even even paying yourself yep. should be an expense correct yes it should be it is okay okay and so and and their tax rate is always a little bit lower too so it's and so that's the other incentive i would tell people for going ahead and structuring a business and not doing it as a hustle because when it's structured as a business you can take advantage of the tax structure for businesses and the advantages for businesses. Mm. So with that being said, like, what do you see with the, with what's going on with the economy? Um, because I, you know, I was just speaking with the business economic developer. They're looking five and 10 years down. So the little bloop of what's going on right now isn't phasing them. Right. But yep. a lot of businesses feel what's going on right now. Like I get, we're looking for the long haul and that's where a lot of investment strategies should be in structure. But how do you sustain through the tough times, especially the way the government is spending money left and right? Like how do you forecast like, um, you know, the investment, the businesses for now based on what's going on and with a lot of money being printed? Two words, working capital. You have to, like I said, if cash is king, cash flow is queen. You have to understand cash. You have to know where all of it's going. You have to know how it's coming in, and you have to, and you have to be 
thorough, thorough, thorough with those numbers. Because what you want to do is, honestly, my personal opinion is I feel like our economy is very padded right now because there's a lot of assistance from the government that's mm-hmm. still taking place. And the businesses that have gone out of business or are going to go out of business without PPP or without the SBA loans or just even you have Beach Street where people are getting uh, the high dollar amounts for um, for unemployment, like that's getting ready to go away. So there's certain reality checks that are going to happen, in my opinion, um, the end of this year, beginning next year. And then that's when we're going to have a clear look at what the economy is really going to do. Mm-hmm. And so if we've learned anything from the last like economic downslide. And I mean, these are natural courses of business. I mean, it's just a cycle. Stuff goes up, stuff goes down. That's, that's a natural course of business. Mm-hmm. Um, it's always good to have cash. So you need to be, um, so some of the things I would do is if you have any like line of credits, make sure those are open. Um, if you have cash, I would just try to hold on to it. Um, and, and then, then you'll be prepared for when the discounts come, then you'll be ready to, to purchase. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, like so. So I know you are a CPA, but you're involved in real estate as well. I am. How has that journey been like for you? The journey been for me has been, it's been very interesting. I, I really believe in what real estate has to do. I started, I did um, some wholesaling on myself on the past, and I'm actually looking at some commercial deals right now. And so, I think the well, well, let me start here the, the thing about real estate is is that you have to have a passion for it and you also have to have um you, you have you're going to have to be patient with your time because i think real estate like any other industry is a craft and you have to learn it and i think that uh HG, hgtv has done the world of disservice because <laughs> <laughs> they're like oh that oh flipping that looks like fun like i know nothing about flipping that fun in an hour <laughs> look look you see one problem and in an uh, hour it's oh my solved God. and then you've made a million dollars and oh, you can right, live, right. live and, happily and, ever after or, or you're not used to hearing no you're not you're not used to dealing when you get to the closing table and people tell you, oh, well, there's this $10,000 water bill from the city of Atlanta and we have a lien on this property and it just throws all your numbers off because you weren't, because you weren't expecting that. that oh, were you a part of my first deal? Because I, I talk about that often. I'm like, one of my first deals uh-uh. in real estate, I purchased it mm-hmm. under the table and I got <laughs> slapped with one of those things. That's when I learned you always have an attorney. Yep. always have an attorney at the closing table, but that's exactly what I talk about a lot through the season is how in my first deal, I lost $11,000 just like that. So, so we so we have similar experiences. And, and then the other thing is like real estate is very multifaceted. You have to figure out what you want to do first. I believe in like a, a, a like an all strategy, like some should be buying holds. Maybe you should have some flips um, understanding valuations, understanding, you know, IRR, internal rate of return. There's just a lot of things that you just have to study. It's not just as simple as I'm going to sell out these mailers. I'm going to get the real estate or I'm going to just find me a contractor. I'm going to rebuild it and sell it. It's a lot of different factors. Do you understand like, uh, access to like, whether, whether you're about to buy something in a food desert, it's just so many things that you just have to put the time in. But I love real estate. The richest people own real estate. And I think it's because for two reasons, a, I like the nature of real estate because it's physical. There's only so much land. There's only so, so I can see it. I can touch it. 
Mm-hmm. And if and if stuff goes to hell, I can go get my money back because I can go sell it. Now I may not. Let's just say there's a downturn. I may not get all my money back, but at least I can get some of it back. Yeah. The second thing is the tax advantages of real estate is the far best vehicle I've seen. Um, like period, in terms of depreciation, in terms of expenses, in terms of maintenance, in terms of uh, like I said with the 1031 and capital gains tax, it's just so many things. It's easier to transfer. And um, I just think the history of our country and laws is all based about real estate. Conquering is real estate. And um, once upon a time in America, if you don't own real estate, you weren't considered a citizen. You couldn't even vote in the 1700s. Oh, wow. Like real estate is real estate is tops. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I think that um, everybody may not have the gumption to you know, flip or wholesale or buy. But I mean, there might be some REITs that people can, those are real estate investment trusts for the, for people that don't know that aren't listening. There might be some of those you can look at investing in. There's kind of tricky uh, promissory notes um, that people can get into. Um, one of the things I talk about is buying, you can buy paper with real estate, like buying uh, uh, liens, um, foreclosure deeds and things like that. That's pretty, that's pretty interesting. Um, I talk about my book using a solo 401k to do that. And so, you know, self, you mean a self-directed or solo? So it's a solo, but it's also self-directed as well. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Cause I was like, I've heard the term self-directed. I, I haven't heard it attributed to um, solo. Is that the same? All right. So, okay. Self-directed traditionally more or less, they are the same, but okay. So let me explain. You can have, do Usually a self-directed is a solo, but a solo doesn't necessarily have to be self-directed. Let me say it like that. And so the reason I like the self-directed is because is because normally with traditional 401ks is you giving your money to somebody else and then they go gamble the market with your money. And with the self-directed, you can choose pretty much anything that's considered a tangible asset from an investing standpoint. So, gotcha. you're into, so, it's, so it essentially it's stocks versus asset base or real estate. Real estate, you can invest in crypto. You can, you can mm. invest in paper. You can invest in coins. And I mean like real coins. Like I, I'm into antique coins. Let me invest in those. They go up. You can invest in gold, whether they be options or gold. It's your money. You can invest it in what you, if you think bicycles are going to go up in price. I, I'm, I just bought a lot of bicycles and then I'm going to sell them later because they're antique bicycles. Anything that can be deemed and there are some specific regulations, so you want to talk to the professionals about it. But um, I recently discovered solo 401ks, um, and I actually I have a whole section for them in my book discussing this very same thing that what happened is if we, if we look at 2008 and 2009, like a lot of people saw their 401ks get wiped out because, yeah. because they're pegged to the market. And I personally do have an S&P 500 index fund. Anybody that wants a, a regular fund, I just recommend an S&P 500 index fund because the fees are low and they're just paid to the S&P 500 and you could just run it. You could, it's pretty much like a set it and forget it, put 10,000 in, get 600,000 later or whatever. I mean, the math isn't and, correct. And what, what are you saying? You're calling it an S&P? In as oh, so, so, the, so the S&P 500 is the, uh, is the, is the standard index for, is the, is the 500 index for the, for the stock market. Okay. Got you. Got you. And so what you do is you can get most, most 401ks have mutual funds and index funds. Gotcha. So I recommend having an index fund for various reasons that, you know, cause we're talking about real estate and then you can put 
um, and, and peg that to the S&P 500. There's also other funds that actually have real estate in there. But I personally believe that you can, as a business owner, if you're your own business and you work for yourself, you're not going to have that 401k that you have at a regular job. Mm-hmm. But there, but you can by having a solo 401k. Gotcha. Okay. You can use that 401k to invest in real estate as well. And so there's some interesting things about that. The first thing is from a tax perspective, if you're using this to invest in real estate, the um, what happens is the money that you make, you can just put back into the properties and, and you may not have to do um, you, you may not have to do a 1031 because you're keeping it in your 401k. So the oh. money never gets dispersed until after you turn 65 anyway. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to pay taxes on it until then. Mm. So that, and the second thing is there's a match there from, uh, it's 25,000 up to 50,000 because you're the employer. So you're playing the employee portion and the employer portion. So you get a tax deduction up to oh, that. Oh, wow. Just for matching it. Right. Just for, so for matching money, what you put. Right. Because a traditional 401k, you know, you get that you put that money in and then and then it lowers your taxable income. So the same thing happens with the solo 401k. It's it's just that you're getting the employee and the employer portion. So when people say that they're putting themselves into retirement, because, you know, even I did some planning with our financial planner and you, I assume you do planning as well with people as well, right? I don't do any planning per se. I do specifically given my past and MMA, like I can help people with exit strategies. I can help them with business valuations uh, to sell business structuring. My nature is more advisory um, in nature. Um, But from a pure financial planner perspective, uh, people can find whatever works for them because different investments people are going to cling to more than others. Like mine just happens to be real estate. Yeah. I'm not the biggest stock guy in the world. Like I know a little bit about stock. I understand how it works, but I can't tell you what stock to pick. Cause that's not <laughs> so I'm not going to ask you about the Apple split. I promise. Oh, right. Right. <laughs> I, I, I could tell you like my wife just the other day, she said, what is exactly is a stock split? I was like, I can tell you what it is and how it works, yeah. but I can't tell you whether you should or should not buy it. And the other thing about the stock market is, is that the stock market is mainly about how people feel. So it's yeah. more of a feeling of what things are worth where yeah. real estate is more so like we have comps, like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like, we're, like yeah. no, that's really what it's worth. Like, yeah. uh, and, uh, it's, it's something and, that uh, legitimizes it versus just, you know, like right. based off of public opinion. Cause I know now right. leading into election, that's why these companies are splitting. Honestly, you know, stocks are more so a capital raise um, for that company. Yep. So that's why you have things like splitting that's going on right now, which has me even more concerned um, because of what we're going through, I know a lot of people like to compare it to 2008, but, you know, in the midst of everything, we have a pandemic. And the pandemic, the first thing was interesting, you say you're moving into commercial real estate, because a lot of people, um, my girlfriend who works at Verizon, Verizon has a huge campus in Alpharetta. They mm-hmm. have three or four buildings. Ever, and, and not only for the employees who work in these buildings, I'm thinking about the janitors. I'm thinking about the lunch professionals. I'm thinking about the the lights. I'm, I mean, it's so much that goes into a commercial space and they're working yeah. from home indefinitely. So now yeah. you have large Fortune 100, not even 100, Fortune top Fortune 50 companies that employ a lot of people that now have them working from home. And so it's interesting to see what the state of commercial real estate is going to be on the horizon with a lot of people yeah. working from home now. Yeah. 
I and think especially, it's be... especially, you know, you, you mentioning, you know, you, you want to go into that. Do you see that as being an appreciating asset? Because this, the pandemic is something that's, yes, the economic goes up and down, but we've never had a pandemic that's put us in our houses and on lockdown like this. So by biologics, by human nature, we are pack animals. We will find a way to gather. The form to me is going to change. Like I have this conversation, my, I had this conversation with my wife and for two, three years, she thought I was lying. I was like, malls are going away. Mm-hmm. I was like, nobody likes them. They're cumbersome. And then this happened. And this, and I mean, have you been to a mall? It looks like a ghost town. Oh my God. I went, no. So I actually went on a couple of weeks ago, a couple of weekends ago, I went, and I'm not a mall person anyway. So I cold, totally agree with you on malls going mm-hmm. away, but I went just to hang, you know, hang out with family. It was around 4th of July. And when I tell you, it was one thing to be in the stores, which, I mean, in the mall itself. And there were actually a lot of people there. But it was a wait outside of every store. Yeah. And I was like, oh, like, I do not know financially how this can continue. Where, yeah, people were at the malls. They aren't, you know, they were there. We cool. You know, it was just as packed as it was any other day. But to get in each store, there was a line. I'm like, now that is the part that I feel is going to deter a lot of people that do a lot of window shopping. Um, and it, yeah. you can't see experience. I think, uh, I think commercial real estate will be there um, because it's a need. So commercial, just anything that's not residential. And so I think that there will be different setups for offices. They might be a grander version of like, if you can picture like a, like a gathering spot we work um and some of the others where it's more so like maybe an open type of environment we use it for events because this this thing isn't going to last forever um if not it's just the end of the world and it's not worrying about anyway because it's the end of the world and we're all gone <laughs> but um but I, I i do think there's some interesting things with commercial that i'm there's some trends that i've been kind of seeing for years and I think now more than ever has solidified that and there'll still be that structure. And um, uh, I do have some ideas for what I plan to do with commercial real estate when I get my hands on it, but that would be, that's some of that's my secret sauce that I really don't want to tell anybody. Okay. <laughs> put it in a book. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to have it in the book. Put it, put I'm, it I'm in gonna, a book and sell it. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm putting it in the book. You're going to see me doing it. And, uh, but I do feel that as humans, we will gather, but the form of that may change. So for instance, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you something that I think is a real interesting full cycle business, uh, which is considered commercial movie theaters. So yeah. you had drive-ins now you have movie theaters and I don't know if you noticed, but they're building drive-ins again because people can't go inside. Well, I was like, Walmart now, actually is, um, taking on that concept using a big parking lot. I was like, that was smart. Yep. So there's, there's some different opportunities. I think, uh, people will still, there might be infrastructure in terms of, um, uh, like, uh, these, these pop-up stores where you take pictures like, like Santa Fantastical or, uh, the candy, the candy one, candy topia and things like that. So there, there's, there'll be some opportunities you just have to look out for as far as residential. Well, people got to live. So shelter will always be there. Yeah. Um, so Back when this, you know, earlier I said people, they just need to kind of figure out a lane or a strategy. Do they want to buy a hold? Do they want to flip and, and just kind of figure out how and immerse themselves in it, figure out how, what they see. And um, 
there's a piece for everybody. I think, and that's the other thing I like about real estate. I think there's enough for, for there's enough to go around for everybody. It's scarce enough, but it's bountiful enough so that everybody can get a piece, right? I think so. Yep. I think, I, I think, I think it's great. And, and I love, and the other thing I like about it is I think it's so easy to team because, um, uh, you don't have to do it all. Like you might have something going over there and then I got something going on and then we team up and then we do it and then on to the next. And I, I just think it's, I think it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. So what, so what do you recommend as far as getting started? Like if I'm a beginner and like, at what level can I afford a CPA or is it necessary for a CPA? Like my first flip, do I need a CPA or is it when I get mm-hmm. multiple? Like at what point, do you suggest, you know, people add a CPA to their team? I think you should get a CPA as soon as you draft those documents with the secretary of state that makes you an LLC. I would at least talk to one and then talk to them about your own specific situation and start getting control of your regular expenditures. And that might be, and that might be, you know, getting like a, uh, going on Fiverr and getting a bookkeeper or something like that. But first start understanding your economics and, and how you work as a person economically. And because the way I think about CPAs is I think about myself as I'm a, I'm not a doctor, but, but I, I am like a doctor for money. And I think cash is equals blood. So you go get your, you go get your regular checkups um, people go, oh, something ain't right. Um, my, my, my foot hurts. I'm gonna go talk to my doctor. I think we should do the same thing with our money. Um, something not, something's not right. I'm spending too much money. I don't know what's going on. Or I didn't make the money. I like, just go talk to them. Like I said, we're hourly and, and depending on the relationship, you can work out what you need to work out. And that hourly rate depends, um, depends on what you need. And I would just start the conversation up about, and what do I need? How do I start building? So to me, it's, it's a day one exercise. And like I said, you don't have to have one on retainer, but you should at least have one that you consult when there are certain things of legality in terms of money and taxes. I think you should definitely consult one for those. For those oh, yeah, I, I know that's the thing. I know for me, especially when I first got involved in business, um, it was it's scary. It's intimidating because, you know, I wasn't exposed. I'm first generation. So I wasn't exposed to the business side of it. It was one thing that I got into the real estate but it's a whole nother thing in building the business. That's why I always say I'm a developer and entrepreneur because being mm-hmm. an entrepreneur is totally different than just building a house solo. Cause I didn't yeah. start building business until a couple of years ago. When I first started, I was just flipping houses and I, I got my start in wholesaling too. Like that's, and mm-hmm. honestly, I still wholesale to this day. If I find a good deal, you better believe <laughs> I'll wholesale it. Hey man, I got a call the other day. I was like, I'll come look at it. It was like a, a old mailer, like from a year ago. <laughs> what is the common misconception that you see from business owners that call you? I'm, I don't know. Do you get called in the beginning? Do you get calls in the middle? Or do you get calls like, oh, my God, it's so messed up. What can I do? The common misconception is the lack of the lack of understanding from our tax structure as a country, as a country. Mm-hmm. And just the lack of understanding of cash flows. Mm. And, and what I mean by that is what I find is, is that we're, a lot of people are sloppy with their paperwork. They're mm-hmm. sloppy with tracking and, and accounting, you know, the root word is account. So you're accounting for things. Mm-hmm. 
And so just keeping all that in order and, and documenting your processes and this is how we're going to do it. And actually coming up with a, it don't have to, it doesn't have to be some elaborate business plan, but just, but don't tell me you don't have two paragraphs on your goal and how you plan to do it. Gotcha. And you can, and you can explain it in five minutes because what I find is really two minutes. If you can't explain a business idea to me in two minutes, then it's too complex. It's not going to work. It's not, it's not thought out enough that you don't even have it on your mind clear enough to communicate it in two minutes. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. That's good. Um, so I'm trying to think, what is something that you wish you knew in the beginning that you know now? And I guess maybe you can lend to some of what you just said, because that's, that's very important. Like, you know, I, I, like I said, I, I did business the first, first few years, like, hey, I'm going to just do it. I didn't necessarily have everything planned out. Now I'm more into planning. But, you know, I think back to, damn, like, what were some of those things? Because those are the people that we're talking to right now. Right. Let me see if there was something I had. I wish. I wish I just got started sooner. Yeah. Like, just there's no reason it. to wait. Um, I live my life by if you build it, they will come. Build a dream. Like, just, just go. Don't worry about how you're going to pay for it, how you're going to get the money, how you're going to get advice. Just do it. If you keep asking the right question, you're going to start getting the right answers. Yeah. I just firmly believe that. Yeah. And then the other thing is, like, just understand the break-even analysis and target profit because that's part of the plan. Because the, I feel that a lot of times we just go out there and we just say, oh, we just want money. Mm-hmm. Well, how much money do you want? I don't know. Mm-hmm. What, are you, what are you going to do with the money? Mm-hmm. I don't know. What do you need the money for? I don't know. I just want money. Well, then what do you it, – it, it's, too, it's too vague. I firmly believe that the, uh, the universe will give us what we ask for, but we have to be very specific yeah. about what we ask for. Yeah. So if you want to be a millionaire, say, I want to make a million dollars in 12 months. Okay, well, how do I do that? Well, well, let's divide it by 12. Okay, well, <laughs> yeah. this is how much money I got to make per month. Yeah. Let's divide yeah. it by four. Well, this is how much money I got to make per week. Well, let's divide that by seven. Well, this is how much money I got to make per day. How do I make this, how do I make this amount today? Mm. How do I go out there and do that? And if I didn't make it today, it adds up. <laughs> then there's right. a ramp up period. That like you, you are so on point. Um, and it's like you're putting words to my experience because that in twenty from twenty fifteen to twenty seventeen, it's like I was just doing it to your point. Like oh, I'm gonna make money, get rich, whatever. But it's not until twenty seventeen that I started to have those goals. And even even my friends that. Ex- you know, not even that you were in my business, but the people who saw me encounter me, see the projects, you could see the difference as, as I leveled up at different parts of my business, you could see the difference of how it displayed in what I did, because it's, it's all about that internal infrastructure. So to your point, yeah. I need to know my breaking point. I need, cause honestly, you know, when I was working in corporate, I just knew I'm gonna be popping. I'm gonna make a million dollars somewhere. So I'm straight. <laughs> Versus understanding that, no, to your point, you got to be intentional about that hundred thousand. I mean, a uh, million dollars. Yeah. Um, and then two, even seeing once I did my break even analysis, once I did my target profit analysis, I saw that it didn't even take a million dollars to put me in financial freedom. You know, yep. when you don't have it, all I want is a million. But then when you on this journey too, a hundred thousand can change my life and put me in a different, um, you know, perspective of what I'm able to do. So that's one of the things too, that I want people to understand that your first deal is not going to get your million. Your birth to even point is not going to be a million. 
Once you yep. see that, hmm, I can actually make it off this. I can actually make it off that. That's the wealth that will free you up to now make even greater moves. Yep. So now you can really level up and scale. That's why I like how you um you broke down. I mean, you gave a lot of great gems today. And thank you, man. I be trying. I be over here trying to study this, man. I feel like it's a it's a puzzle to be solved. Yeah, but you're breaking it down. Cause um, so can you speak more to who you're targeting? Cause you wrote a book. And mm-hmm. one of the things, um, you know, in, in school, we're constantly going trainings. When I'm in corporate America, we really have to get trainings. If you are any licensed professional, there's continual education that's required. Um, but a lot of times when you're on your own as an entrepreneur, if you're not reading, if you're not studying, if you're not looking for new knowledge, upgrading your software, you are going to be left behind. So right. one of the greatest things, like you said, you've been studying your experiences you brought that together and you wrote a book like not just read one i wrote one so mm-hmm. who are you targeting for your book i know you mentioned a lot of people can be helped especially entrepreneurs real estate professionals who else are you targeting for your book so i'm pretty much targeting if i had a, a, a specific i mean anybody can read the book and take advantage but i would say my pure target is probably somewhere from like 21 to like 40. And what they want to do is either they're just starting out or they're mid and they may have a job. They may not have a job. Like what I mean by job, I mean, you're, you're still a W2 employee and the, and what, and my target is, is to show them that this is how you should structure yourself to build wealth. And one of the wealth building tactics is, is to also lower your expenditures, which is taxes. Mm. So this is formally because like, it's never been to me, my book is unique within that. It, it, it simplifies a very complex topic and it's very specific because you'll read certain books I've read that'll say, well, you know, businesses get deductions Well, you can deduct your car and okay, okay, that's fine. Yeah. But really, yeah. You can do the appreciate and that's fine. But I'm like, no, you need all these things. You're a W-2 employee. You've got your business, which is LLC. I only recommend LLCs for this point of life for tax purposes because they can flow onto the 1040. And then you have your real estate business and then you have your solo 401k. That is a four-part structure. And then from there, you can you can start building up because a house, if we're talking about real estate, has, has to have a strong foundation. Mm-hmm. So from a business you need to have that foundation or you're never going to grow it's always going to be like you're piecing it together you're going here you're going there so for me it's somebody that's just getting started or somebody that's in the mid and they like hold on what's really going on now once you get to the point of i got so much money i'm tired of paying taxes i need to learn about uh setting up an entity that's foreign but that's a whole other combo that might be another book (laughs) i need to write i was like we'll have you back for season two when we discuss commercial (laughs) and stuff but so so one last thing, um, I guess you have any final words um, or anything that you want to leave us with? Um, like I said, we're reaching the beginner and intermediate investor. Um, any final words, anything you can say? I would just say, I mean, you made a great point. Just always keep investing in yourself by reading, being a sponge. Um, when it comes to real estate, I specifically say that you should um, – figure out what type of structure and what type of business structure that you want to have and how you're going to go about it and how that money flows, whether you're buying and holding, uh, whether it's the burn method, 
uh, whether, whether you look at IRR and just keep being uh, practical and analyzing those numbers because that's when the pitfalls come and the surprises and making sure that your contingencies are there. Just keep getting that structure and keep getting the help. Get as many good people on the boat as possible. Because I think that's the make or breaker when it comes to business. The mm. good people that you have on the boat with you. Mm. And and that's the power. Um, you know, I love our friend circle. Um, we connected through my husband's fraternity. But um, that's, right. that's, the, that's the power of bringing everyone together. Is you Shout have your specialty, I have mine. How can we grow and scale? Um, you know, I just launched Manifest Mavens with some of the Omega Wives, actually. Because I remember you used to tell us we need to have our own show. Um, but we actually got our own business before our own show. <laughs> Even better. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, yeah, so it, it's definitely great to surround yourself with great people, great content, and always be filling yourself up um, with information that's going to grow you or challenge you to get to a different version of yourself. Um, that's really, really important. How can people reach you if they need to contact you? They can follow me on social media. I'm at underscore Pate the Great. My website for the book is www.taxlean.com and it's spelled T-A-X-L-E-A-N.com. That's a play on the word lean uh, because I feel like we should have lean taxes. And then my my advisory and investment firm is Hydrogen Capital. That's www.hydrogencapitalco.com. Gotcha. Well, thank you for and joining you us today. I'm checking you out. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This was an awesome conversation. Thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of Concrete Points. It's your girl, Jessica Myers, leading the journey to beginners and intermediates to build their seven-figure real estate portfolio. Join us again next season for all new commercial um, and even more powerful conversations to really take you to the next level. As always, you know you got it. Let's get it. Let's go.